This week's podcast brought to you by Appropriately Sized Salmon. When I got off the plane coming back from Seattle and I was walking through Bradley Airport, I saw something I've never seen before, and that was a police officer inside the terminal riding a bicycle. I've seen police officers in other airports on Segway scooters. You obviously see them on foot. This is the first time I'd ever seen a security guard or police officer or TSA anything in any airport riding a bicycle. It was an odd spectacle, to say the least. It sounds both like a Mad Lib police officer riding a bicycle through an airport and, and, a, a, and a future movie starring Kevin James, there Paul Blart, airport cycle cop. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Well, this week the podcast is on the road in northern Minnesota. I wish you could see this. We'll have to post this, uh, our setup here. We don't travel with a boom microphone stand. So we have a red Solo cup with a hole cut in it. An upside down, the old pickle factory. The pickle factory in Nisswa, Minnesota. What are those things called? Can Cancoozie. And the microphone is jammed into that so that the cable can run through the bottom of the uh, hole we cut in the Solo cup. And that's our microphone stand. And it's perched on Richard Scarry's storybook. <laughs> And our studio today is the spare bedroom above the garage at my sister's cabin in the bunkhouse. It is a perfect place to do uh, to do a podcast on the year anniversary of Stingray Afternoons, which was released a year ago today. What's today? July 3rd? July 3rd. We're here to celebrate the 4th of July. And um, what do you got for us this week, well, Rebecca? Well, this past week I flew out to Seattle to do a WNBA game connecting through Detroit on my way out there. And we've talked a lot about morning drinking on our on our podcast. But while I was flying out, it was an evening flight. And the, the guy, the gentleman next to me ordered a drink. Totally fine, of course. What, what was interesting about it was that he ordered champagne. And it's not often that you are next to somebody on a plane who orders champagne and um, I was just wondering if he was celebrating something if he just likes champagne did, but he, I, did he ask to clink your plastic glass of water right. to his champagne and maybe link arms the yes. way people sometimes do he asked me to actually um, pour it down his gullet but yeah and I forgot like how sweet and distinct and strong the smell of champagne was so that was one thing that was a bit interesting and then and I had been upgraded to first class on this flight, and so they they fed us dinner, and at, and it was an appropriate sized piece of salmon, some rice, some green beans, and um, they also brought a little cup of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. It was really lovely, and after um, my seatmate had eaten all of his dinner, you see him rummaging his hand down into his bag, and he and he looked at me and he said. Um, would you like some cheese? And he had a bag full of Wisconsin cheese. So um, I, I respectfully declined his offer of cheese, but uh, he was having his own little 
wine slash champagne and cheese tasting on the flight from Detroit to Seattle. Funny enough, my last flight, the my seatmate was also rum, rummaging around in his bag for cheese, which he offered me. I declined. No, he didn't. But I, uh, I, uh, I did get the opportunity to pour champagne down his mullet. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that mullet mullet drinkers don't strike me as the champagne. Um, the champagne of beers, Miller High Life. Right there, you go. Um, and I do hope that this podcast is brought to you by appropriately sized salmon. <laughs> Well, when we were when I was out in Seattle, because last week on the podcast we talked about fanny packs. When I was out in Seattle after the game, or bum bags as bum they're called bags. in the UK. Yes, um, out after the game, I saw Megan Rapino, who is um, Sue Bird's girlfriend, and I was talking to her for a while, and she was wearing a fanny pack, but instead of wearing it around her waist, or it was not a bum bag on her, she was wearing it kind of crisscross her shoulders, kind of like a Rambo bullet holster. Um, kind of style. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, a bandolier of bullets. That's yes. what it's called, a bandolier. Yeah. Hers, so hers was a bandolier bag, maybe, but um, it was really cute and stylish. And I posted a picture on my Rebecca Lobo Twitter, but I also put, post a picture of her wearing that on um, on our Instagram, which is Ball and Chain Podcast. Um, that's the handle on Instagram. But so right after that, as I was walking across the arena floor, I, I was leaving because I was going to catch a red eye home. Um, but as I'm, I'm walking across the floor, another gentleman came up to me and he was wearing a, a bum bag, a fanny pack, as you would expect around his waist. And he said to me, I know who you are. You're one of Gino Oriema's nieces. And he wasn't kidding. He was completely sincere. You're one of Gino Oriema's nieces. So I guess he thinks everyone who used to play for Coach Oriema is also somehow related to him. Has he ever seen you and Coach Oriema in the same frame? Uh, um, well, we don't generally fit in the same right, frame unless it's a, a, a wide, wide angle. So I just thought it was interesting because I don't see bum bags very often. And then in Seattle, in the span of a couple minutes, I ran into two people wearing them in very different ways, very different demographics. Um, you, between I, Megan and, and this gentleman. And I know you meant to identify Megan Rapino as one of the best soccer players in the world. Oh, of course. I uh, mean, absolutely. She was uh, She was actually talking that morning. She had flown back from Seattle. They'd played there the night before. And uh, and, and then she was courtside watching watching Sue. Both Sue and flown Megan. Flown back to Seattle. Yes, yeah. From? From Salt Lake City. Okay. Um, you I said I'm, flown back from Seattle. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, flown back from Salt Lake City. And uh, for those who, who aren't aware of this, Sue and Megan are in the most recent uh, body issue um, that ESPN puts out yearly where they have naked professional athletes um, tastefully photographed in all of their splendor and none of their splendor at the same time. <laughs> you ran into a guy who thought you were Gino Oriema's niece. Is that right? Niece? Niece, yes. Now, I ran into a guy standing in the aisle of our Delta flight to Minnesota. I was serving as the, the bouncer outside of the lavatory door while my son was using the bathroom. And another parent with a toddler was waiting to use that bathroom. And he said to me, while you make idle chit-chat waiting, he said to me, are you with the Yukon legend up there? Perhaps he didn't know your name or perhaps that's what he refers to you as. And I said, I said, yes, I am. And, and I've never heard this before in all of my years hearing everything in this context. In all of your years traveling with the Yukon legend, yes, yes, you've never heard yes, this. exactly. He said, he said, so are you with the Yukon legend up there? I said, yes, I am. He said, as her <laughs> dot 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 
what did he possibly think you were you was going to be inserted there as her nanny the the nanny to her children well, that's as what, her that, that's coach what I said. I, well you have been I mistaken said, I said, for my I coach said as her manny yes <laughs> as her as her uh, as her host from elder hostel <laughs> as her uh, aarp ref uh, rep um, well while we were on the flight because the, the flight was the configuration was three seats on one side and two on the other. There's six of us flying, so we had two rows, um, you know, one behind the other. Row 16 and 17, C, D, and E were the seats. And at one point, I was sitting with our seven-year-old and our 11-year-old, and at one point, I started to doze off, and um, and you reached back and tapped me to wake me up to tell me that our oldest had a pretty severe nosebleed. So I said okay, and then she'd already you'd already gotten her Kleenex, so we were just filling the putting the Kleenex in the in the barf bag. But I'm still a little bit curious as to why you needed to wake me up the the aisle the what? row behind you to tell me uh, what, what I, exactly I just, were just, you looking for. I just thought if if you woke up and you saw blood all over your daughter's face and blood all over your husband's hands, you would want to know and not be alarmed. I realize now, in hindsight, that I was mistaken, that you would, well, couldn't have cared less. Of course, that's a, a more than a slight exaggeration. There was no blood anywhere other of than in the was. Kleenex that was dripping poor kid out of her nose. But this is, the same, this is the same daughter who, years ago, when we were flying back on the longest flight in the world from South Africa, I think we've told this story, but we were flying from Johannesburg to Atlanta. Was that a 17-hour flight? Yes. And you were sitting with her, and, and she was getting sick. The same thing. You said to me she's getting sick so that you and I could change seats and I could take care of the mess. Six but, hours uh, into the flight she barfed all over my shoes yeah. and we still had 11 more to go so that was fun for everybody involved. Speaking of which the, the night before we flew here with an early morning flight the next morning our son was complaining that his stomach hurt and uh, and I said well you've had what a pound of steamers a, a bowl of popcorn a giant grilled cheese on Texas-sized toast. toast, ice cream, and then an apple before bed. So perhaps your stomach does hurt. So anyway, I went downstairs. He came down 10 minutes later and said he had gotten sick in his room. He then proceeded to get sick again violently and copiously in the downstairs bathroom twice. And when I went back up to see, there appeared to be nothing in the basket next to his bed, nothing in the towel we had laid down in his bed. So I went back downstairs and said, where did he get sick? And um, as my, as our 11-year-old daughter pointed out later, dad, he, I, I said, he didn't appear to barf the bed. She said, dad, he barfed the door. And on his way to the bathroom, he had uh, barfed all over the door. Yeah, I, I cleaned that up. Um, I, I rushed up quickly. I was cleaning that all up with paper towels and I one of the reasons I got up there quickly is because you have been known in the past to clean up vomit with rags, which is not what you want to do. You clean up vomit with paper towels so you can throw them away because if you do it with rags, then you have to clean out the rags before you put them in the washing machine and other things. I think I've told this story too on the podcast of years ago when I was traveling and one of our kids got sick and vomited on her, on her bedspread your solution was to take the bedspread and put it in a trash bag and leave it in the garage until I came home and could clean it. But I, yeah, I didn't know if, if our son got sick like that. He was totally fine the next day, so it's clearly because of the amounts of food he'd eaten. I didn't know if it was 
you know, again, because of the food or because that night was when the news was broken that LeBron James was signing with the Lakers. And our son is a huge LeBron fan and therefore had been a Cavs fan. Uh, also sort of a Celtics fan, but mostly just a LeBron fan. And now he's he's torn as to what to do. Well, does he, he become a Lakers fan? Does he go all no. in with the Celts? Like, how does he I manage him, his LeBron fandom now? I asked him leading up to LeBron's free agency, if LeBron goes somewhere other than Cleveland, will you remain a Cavs fan? He said, no, he wouldn't. And uh, I said, when it looked like he was going to sign the Lakers, will you become a Lakers fan? And he said, no, he wouldn't. And after LeBron made it official and signed with the Lakers, I asked him, and I don't know that I told you this, I said, so who's your team now? And he kind of sighed and said, the Celts, I guess. So, so he's um, got to go I all in now on the, on the Celtics. Yeah, it's uh, um, I'm, I'm interested to see if uh, when LeBron comes back from wherever he's vacationing, if he'll end up at a L.A. Sparks game courtside because he every summer tweets a fair amount about the WNBA. He talks about watching the WNBA in press conferences. He is a comes across as a huge supporter of the WNBA. So it would be fun to see him courtside sitting next to maybe Kobe Bryant, who does come to a ton of L.A. Sparks games. But uh but yeah, there was also a t- ton of reaction on Twitter. My Twitter feed, I'm sure, is much different from yours because I follow so many WNBA players, but a lot of reaction after he signed a $154 million contract. I think a couple WNBA players posted n- no, d- you know, nothing negative about LeBron, but just talking you know, how they would like to be paid more. And then, of course, all the trolls came out and were... Uh, we're all over their feeds, so so it'll be interesting. So I guess no no LeBron jerseys, or at least no LeBron Lakers jerseys, will be hanging in our son's closet. Almost all of the jerseys he has are defunct. Are, yeah, there's there's still to, active players, but none of them are playing for those teams. It's hard, to get, a, it's hard teams. to get a jersey that a player is going to still be with that team in the next year. What or is two. He, he has an Isaiah Thomas Lakers jersey. I'm no, sorry, no. Isaiah Thomas Celtics jersey in his closet. He has Shaquille O'Neal Cleveland jersey yeah, well, that was inherited. Yeah. But his LeBron Cleveland jersey was, was one he wanted, I think, Amari got for Stoudem- Christmas. and Amari Stoudemire Knicks jersey. And, um, and I think that was only relevant for like two months before we, some free agency happened he there. He got one jersey that was a safe bet that has remained so, and he got it in a size way too big for him so he can still wear it, and that was a Joe Maurer 7 Twins jersey. And we have Larry Bird 33. That's We just need to get jerseys of retired players. Or not get so jerseys. You know, yeah. Right. Well, that, that would be an option too. But he does like to wear, when he's going out to shoot some hoops, he likes to put on one of his jerseys. Um, it had been LeBron and perhaps will still be. You mentioned that we're here in Minnesota and we're as we were driving up north from where your sister's cabin is, is, is north of Minneapolis, we saw this billboard and it didn't say that it was for a store or an organization or anything. All it said was, eat your steak, wear your fur, it's the American way. So eat your steak, wear your fur. It's the American way. You, that's not a billboard we, we would see in Connecticut, is it? So if you see a man on the 4th of July eating a steak while wearing his fur, <laughs> I think there's nothing more patriotic than that. When, I was, when we were home the other day, I was, I was driving with our, our 11-year-old, and in front of us was an old classic car, a beautiful car. I'll post this picture as well on our Instagram account, probably post it on Twitter, which is uh, at Ball and Chain Pod. 
And the guy in this classic car, it was great because the you know those cars have these huge steering wheels, and he had his left hand up steering the car on the wheel, and he had one of those Velcro uh, wrist brace on his on his left hand as he's driving. And then I can see using his right hand, he's smoking a cigarette. Like like the guy had been transported from when he drove the car when it first came out to now. Other than the wrist brace, I don't think he was wearing that when he was a young man, smoking the cigarette. And then it, it and ended perfectly when a, a little bit more down the road, the, win, the window was down because it was a nice day. You just see him throw the cigarette butt still smoldering out the window. And he was very much living in the 1950s or 60s or whenever. And uh, that's the kind of guy I think who would embrace the eat your steak, wear your furs. It's the American Do way. Do you think the guy's Velcro wrist brace was from... Uh repetitive stress smoking injury <laughs> it could have been and that's why he, he used he's he's naturally left-handed but the hardest part about you know not having use of his left hand is he has to learn how to smoke with his right I, i'm always waiting for one of those guys who flicks their sig butts out the window to you know flick the butt out the window and as he races on through the yellow light the the cigarette butt hits the mobile oil gas truck and sends in a mushroom cloud into outer space. Well, what's interesting is right the where we took the picture of him doing this, um, he's turning right and on the right-hand side, so out of the passenger window, is a gas station. But fortunately, he had flicked the butt out of the window a little bit before that on the left side. Well, maybe it was the same guy because you don't know this. When we were driving up from the airport to where we are in Minnesota, we stopped at a convenience store because one of the kids had to go to the bathroom and you went in with that or those kids. And while you were in there, a pickup truck towing a boat on a trailer pulled up next to me. And I watched a guy get out and he was in a t-shirt with cut off sleeves. I could see him from behind and like a barbed wire tattoo around his biceps from 25 years ago. And uh, when he turned around, he was wearing a t-shirt that said, exercise, I thought you said, extra fries <laughs> with a big picture of french fries cartoon picture of french fries on it and i had to admire that guy i hope he wears that shirt into his insurance physical when they're trying to decide whether or not they're going to uh, give him health insurance well you talk about the uh, uh the tattoo that was from 20 years ago i mean every tattoo is from whenever ago because they, they they're there forever like i wonder if somebody did that that would be a good thing to post on twitter you know this is tattoo you clearly got this tattoo in the 80s you know or, or you know in the 50s it would be you know a marine corps or a navy tattoo anchor. right yeah the Popeye, navy anchor Popeye the sailor like anchor. what would be the distinct tattoo from a certain decade from a certain decade like chinese you, character yeah oh yeah and, and like in in the 90s you could you see oh that that jersey was from the 90s because it's teal and purple you know like sure. the old charlotte hornets well all right so so the that would probably be from the 90s the chinese character and then we just have to come up with this is this is your homework assignment. Come up with from the seventies on what the the tattoo well, of I that mean, decade. I think would be. I think you can you can carbon date some of them. If you got a tattoo in nineteen eighty five that said "Where's the beef?" I think you know that one probably is of its time. Well, except that no one did get the tattoo that said that "Where's the beef?" I'm I'll, talking I'll, about actual. I'll bet you. I'll bet you somebody did. <laughs> yes, and they I'll got it. It's did. right on their bikini <laughs> yeah, line. Um, I will bet you that. Or I just think that you could easily find, you know, I wonder if that's something that you could research. What was the most popular tattoo? Just like you can look up the most popular name of 2007. Well, I'm definitely. What was I, the most popular tattoo? Even after 15 years of marriage, I have not let, yet let you see my Spuds McKenzie tattoo. 
Oh, I uh, I had a Spuds, Spuds McKenzie beach towel. I was a big fan of Spuds McKenzie well, of long before I was allowed to drink Spuds. That's a good thing because you don't drink Spuds. <laughs> I meant, you fry them. You 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 make them au gratin. But you, I, I if meant, you're trying to drink potatoes, you're doing it all wrong. I meant Suds and. Uh, but he ex, wasn't Suds ex, McKenzie. What I meant was extra exercise. I want extra, extra Spuds. Now, <laughs> exercise. I want extra fries. That's the American way, and that's what should should have been on that billboard. Yeah, without question. So here's a to change the topic completely. This past week, my dad dropped by. My dad lives about ten minutes away, and he dropped by unannounced. Totally fine. He was dropping off some mail, whatever. But it made me think this. Is it totally fine? Well, that's what's that's what's getting me there. My mother used to to say to us because because my dad's parents. My mom's in-laws, I guess when they were first married, they'd be out for a Sunday drive or sometime on the weekend and they'd stop by unannounced. And it would drive my mother absolutely crazy because she would be doing something on the weekend. She'd have plans. She wouldn't be uh, planning to entertain. And she used to say to us when we were kids, or even as we actually, it was more when we got older. It wasn't when we were kids. She'd say, you never drop by someone's house unannounced. So when my mother was alive, she would... She would call and say, I'm in the center of town. I've got X, Y, or Z. Is it okay if I drop it off? Of course it's okay if you drop it off. This was even, you know, later on when when she, she was dealing with cancer. It was, you know, is it okay if I stop by and drive some, drop something off? Of course it's okay. Well, now that my, and so my dad never did it when my mother was alive. But now that she's no longer alive, I, I guess he's forgotten that whole that whole thirty-something year marriage, and he's now become his parents who do drop by unannounced. And again, it was it, like I honestly don't mind when when he when he came by, he had to drop something off, and it was quick. But like, what what is the what is the proper etiquette? Should people ever drop by someone's house unannounced? I say never, especially in nowadays when you have. You can text somebody. Like if I'm near my sister, I would never drop by my sister's house. I would text her and say, I'm nearby. Is it okay for me to drop by? I'm focused on the word unannounced. What constitutes being announced? Do you require a Marine Corps color guard announcing, heralding your arrival? Do you require uh, Jeff Van Gundy and Doris Burke announcing your arrival in some kind of play-by-play fashion? Well, what, well what, first what of all, of Jeff announced? Van Gundy and Doris would be doing it as, as color analysts. You'd need Mike Breen well, to Mike be Breen the play-by-play. Play. Doris would be doing the sideline for your arrival. No, no, no. In, in, my, in my world, she and, and Jeff would be, you know, they would both be in the booth as announcers. She, she wouldn't have to be the sideline reporter. But no, it's no, unannounced. No. It just means you send a text or you call. It's not like the old days where people I'm didn't sorry. have... I'm sorry. Go, can, can we go back to yes, go who, back. Who, is, who is doing what role in this ludicrous hypothetical, <laughs> hypothetical? of announcing well, your I, father's arrival at our house? Well, no one's putting Doris in the sideline. on the sideline. That's all I'm saying. Dor- Doris is in the booth is all I'm saying. So the sideline's anyway. a good place to be is all I'm saying. And, and, and what I'm saying is... Would what there, are you would there saying? Be a, would there be a cameraman walking backwards with a handheld camera as your father was walking towards a house? Um, well, this isn't like it was when my grandparents were dropping in on, on my, my mom when you didn't have a phone in your car. Now you have a phone with you everywhere you go. Even if you decide last minute, oh, we've happened to be nearby, let's let's drop in. You can let them know. You can announce that. But But you just said something that makes me go on a complete different tangent. Like You know what I'm saying. 
I, I, I had a, yeah, I've t- told you this before. I had an assistant coach once where everything that she said, and no, it wasn't Chris Daly, everything that this coach said was followed by, you know what I'm saying, B? You know what I'm saying? She would, you know, um, then you, you got to cut here, cut there. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And just once I wanted to say to her, yes, I know what you're saying because you just said it and I'm not an idiot. But it was totally her verbal tick. You know what I'm saying, B? You know what I'm saying? And uh, so anyway, whatever you were just talking about, yes, I know what you're saying. Well, uh, this is this is perhaps off topic, and and, and with, well, with what no is the segue. topic? There I is no topic, can, of course. There's, there's so no such thing this, as a topic. This is very much on topic. So it just remind. I just thought of this as we were talking that as my mind drifted away, a thousand miles away While I was from whatever talking. you were talking about. <laughs> I don't know what you were saying, even though you just said it, because I, because I am an idiot and I wasn't listening. I but, can tell, by the way, when you're drifting off, because usually you won't even be looking at me. But sometimes even when you are, you just do have this glazed look. And it's like he has he's not listening to a word I'm saying. Usually, I see it so often. Usually you're 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 haranguing me about something. I don't harangue. Anyway, what were you saying? Well, just yesterday we were at the airport in Connecticut waiting to catch our flight and we were feeding the kids. And one of our children, our seven-year-old daughter, was eating a donut with sprinkles on it. Pink frosting and sprinkles, I believe, was her breakfast yesterday at seven o'clock in the morning at the airport. And I noticed the way she was eating the donut. She eats it around, around the outside, towards the inside, as if she is saving the whole for last. (laughs) Well, one of our kids, not the same daughter, eat when she's when she eats a muffin. She eats everything and saves the top for last. Well, sure, that's understandable of because course. the top is the best part. The hole is non-existent unless unless you have a, a bag of donut holes along she's, with them. She's eating the donut the opposite way. You should play basketball. She's doing it from the outside in and saving the hole for last. Versus in in basketball, you need to get the ball in the hole. And then work it out to the perimeter. But I, I didn't notice that. I will have to notice that from now on. This is our same daughter, I'm assuming, our seven-year-old, who the other day was talking about if she gets married to a man whose last name is Bama, if she has children, she's going to name them. If she has a girl, she'll name it Michelle. And if she has a boy, she'll name it Baracko. And we said, uh, we said, wait a minute, what will you name him? And she said, Baracko. And we said, why? What was the name of our last president? And she said, Barack Obama. Well, she said so, Barack Obama. What, what, what is his first name? Barack Obama. What is his last name? Obama. So she, it, it was just spectacular because, of course, that's one of those things I can remember as a kid, too, that, you know, whether it's music lyrics that we've talked about a million times or whatever, you, you think you know the name of something because you've heard it so often, but you haven't seen it in print. So, yes, she thought Barack Obama was actually Barack Bama. And, so and the, if she marries a guy with the last name Bama, those are the kids. Those are the kids' names. And the man who was president when you were born, of course, you said for years was Rich Richard Nixon. <laughs> yeah. This uh, is the same daughter, by the way, who uh, perhaps in the same car ride uh, on the Beatles channel on Sirius, they had a they had a guest uh, DJ talking about for the weekend for the yeah. weekend talking about uh, what various Beatles songs meant to him and um, how various Beatles songs influenced his own career. And our daughter, seven-year-old daughter, said... Is that Jimmy Joel? <laughs> Jimmy Joel. I said, I said, what did you say? She said, is that Jimmy Joel? 
And uh, our 11-year-old looked at me, and we both just started laughing. And uh, I said to our, our, our 7-year-old, I said, um, his name is Billy Joel. Did you think his name was Jimmy? And uh, she said, yeah, because, you know, in, 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 if you can picture our seven-year-old, after she said, yeah, she was also taking the cigarette out of her mouth and throwing it out the window <laughs> because that's her personality. But yes, Jimmy Joel and Barack Obama. Speaking of Jimmy Joel and this sort of thing, um, I saw Billy Joel here a year ago. Here, meaning Minneapolis. In Minneapolis at, at Target Field. And um, Jimmy Joel, Billy Joel, we, this year, a year later, the, Jimmy Buffett and the Eagles were playing at Target Field just the other night. And I uh, tweeted something dumb. The top, these are the misheard lyrics during the Eagles concert at Target Field. And I then made reference to Eagles lyrics with former Twins players' names in them. Her mind is tappany twisted. Uh, it's a girl, my lord, and is that Dan Ford? Ed Guardado, why don't you come to your senses? So somebody replied to me on Twitter. Tanya on Twitter replied, my four-year-old sings Ed Sheeran lyrics, the Ed Sheeran lyric, now my bed sheets smell like you, as now these veggies smell like you, <laughs> and now the bad cheese smells like you. <laughs> Oh, that's what the guy who I sat next to from Detroit to Seattle is saying about me. Now the bad cheese smells like you. So there you go. You know, I don't know if I've told this story about Jimmy Joel slash Billy Joel, but during that concert at Target Field last summer, uh, and anybody who was there will remember this, there was a terrible, in, in the stage lights, there were terrible uh, flying insects. You could see flying through the stage lights, and, and Billy Joel made several references to the fact that your bugs here are terrible. They're unbelievable. And, and he's not wrong. But this was amazing. As somebody who's trying to learn to play bad piano myself, Billy Joel was playing his litany of monster hits, oftentimes one-handed with a fly swatter in his other hand, swatting at, at flying insects um, as he was playing, which was pretty amazing. Well, I can totally see that because when I got back from my run this morning here, I was getting just crushed by mosquitoes, um, probably because there's so many lakes out this way in the time of year, but holy cow, the, the weather right now is beautiful, but the bugs are awful. While we are on a joint vacation, mine, they don't end at the same time. I'm gonna be going back with a couple of the kids. You, however, are staying in Minnesota because you have a speaking en engagement that uh, we should let Minnesotans know about in case they want to come and check it out. Well, I'm just going to be talking about Stingray Afternoons, uh, my memoir. Which came out a year ago today. Well, yes, but not when people are listening to this. But yes, well, I appreciate the, pop, the, the plug. I'm just and the trying pump. to celebrate the, 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 your book being yeah, out for I should, a year. I should be more open to that celebration. I agree. And um, But uh, July 11th, the One Book, One Community Read program at uh, hosted by the Friends of the Excelsior Library. It's at 7 p.m. July 11th at the South Shore Community Center in Shorewood, Minnesota. So now, Tom, Dick, and Harry will not be playing there, but will any members of the band be in attendance? Will, do you know if Tom's going? I, I, I doubt that any any relatives of mine will be in attendance. Um, but uh, as as a bonus, Tom, Dick, and Harry will not be playing there. <laughs> well, we uh, Tom of Tom, Dick, and Harry is going to be joining us at the cabin, so we're hoping later this week to record another podcast that maybe we could have Tom play some new original music that uh, Denny could weave in and out of that podcast. We're going to get some stories from some of your siblings. You're looking at me. Yes, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get some stories from your siblings. Maybe get your dad involved. Um, 
There's, it's going to be a... There is zero chance you're going to get my dad anywhere near a microphone here. Well, but we might be able to bring the microphone to him and have him unaware that he's being recorded. Um, but anyway, it's going to be a rollicking good time. Is rollicking a word in that contest? The rollicking? Frolicking, perhaps? It's just going to be so much fun. So there I can't wait for that. Perhaps there'll be some gambling, G-A-M-B-O-L-I-N-G. <laughs> I can't wait for that particular very special episode. Oh, it'll be a very special episode. ball and chain. We've already got ball and chain at the cabin what, what do we call this northwoods ball and chain somebody somebody sensing that we were recording from here said you have to record some loon sounds on oh, that's, the, uh, that's, off the lake that's not a bad idea i think this this uh, this episode of ball and chain would uh would simply be called the eat steak wear fur the american way eats steak and leaves <laughs> yes eat steak and leaves Minnesota, obviously, was one of the first places that requested swag. You've been in charge of the swag map. Who are now, what are we, what are we calling them, the ambivalent 11? What are, we, what are we at now in terms of the states that have received or at least requested ball and chain swag? Well, in the, in the past few days, um, certainly since the last podcast, we've knocked off a bunch of them. Iowa has swag. Now Kansas has swag. Uh, Mississippi just requested swag. Just requested swag. So swag will be bound from Mississippi. I believe we're down to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven states that are swagless. The ambivalent seven. The, Since you uh, didn't like the hateful seven, are were the ambivalent seven. Well, not even ambivalent. The indifferent. The, the indifferent. The, the indifferent. The uh, oblivious seven, perhaps. And and I applaud their their good taste. But we 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 will uh, see if we can get them swag too. Are you ready for the roll call? I'm I'm ready for the roll call. Yes. Alabama. Arkansas, Delaware, West Virginia, Hawaii, Louisiana, and our neighbor here, North Dakota. I'm still most disappointed in Delaware. I, I expect better from um, from the state that produced Elena Deladon. Well, perhaps we'll get a request from Newark or Wilmington. Yes, I've called games in Newark. I've enjoyed that. Before we get to viewer mail... Uh, I should say, I'm not sure how I can get to viewer mail because the Wi-Fi in this cabin is spotty. One of the one of the many charms of being here in northern Minnesota is is being away from, if not at all, away from some of it, including the Wi-Fi. But uh, it's going to be hard for us to access viewer mail on uh, the Gmail account anyway, which is what, ballandchainpod at gmail.com if I can't get on. Uh, yeah, because you don't have it um, synced up with your phone. But I, I can get on my phone, so I have some viewer mail that has come via Twitter once again, which is at Ball and Chain Pod. Lauren wants to know, what is the favorite sporting event in the Russian household? With FIFA heating up online, what is the one event all members get into? And then she said, also, Rebecca, do you like call calling college or pro games better? So I'm going to answer the second part of that first. I prefer calling pro games to college games. There's a couple reasons why. One, all of the pro teams are located in cities that are easy to get to, that have um, nice hotels, and just it's easier travel. And in, in, in the summertime, it's easier travel in the wintertime as well. But also in the WNBA, even if you have the top team, the first place team playing the 12th, the team that's in 12th, you can still get a really good game. Whereas sometimes in college, if you have one of the top teams playing a team that's not in the top 10 or 15. It's going to be a blowout. So I love calling both, but 
but I prefer calling the WNBA. So this this for you, Steve. What is the favorite sporting event in the Russian household to watch? Well, I'm glad you mentioned the World Cup. We've been loving the World Cup. We got on the plane uh, as uh, as Mexico, excuse me, as Mexico and Brazil were kicking off yesterday. When we got off the when the plane landed, and we can get on Wi-Fi again. Um, it was it was uh, scoreless. And when we got off the plane five minutes later, Brazil was up one nothing. And as everybody had to go to the bathroom and we had to wait for our bags and whatnot, we were watching at various TVs in the airport as that game played out. And it's and the kids have loved following the World Cup when it started, or the day after it started. Um, my daughters, older daughters, and I and my father-in-law were flying to London. As we got through security at, at Logan Airport in Boston, there was this burst of of uh, applause and cheering and, and uh, whistling going throughout the terminal. And that's when Cristiano Ronaldo scored the third of his three goals to tie the game on his crazy free kick for Portugal uh, at the start of the World Cup. Um, we watched England play at Tunisia in London. And my 13-year-old daughter, uh, she would hesitate to use the phrase fell in love with, but uh, has become enamored of Harry Kane. And so today, as we record this, in a couple of hours, England play Colombia in the World Cup, and she's all excited to watch England um, in the World Cup. So she, that's been cool. But we were I, having, I think the a, biggest, converse, go we were having ahead. a conversation with her the other day. She's so excited about England in the World Cup and, and just rooting for England. And I said, well, I would hope that if the U.S. had a team participating, you would be rooting for the U.S. And she said, why? I said, well because you're from here well, and uh, I said you know what if they're a basketball team she said well England doesn't have a team competing you know in the next Olympics or whatever I said I, this is just the bigger point I, I, I'm thrilled that you have fallen in love with the with the English team in the World Cup but it is very important that you understand if there's ever a sporting event where the US is competing you are rooting for the US so was that part of eating steak and wearing fur yes um, eat steak wear fur where for cheer for the stars and stripes. Exercise, I thought you said extra fries. <laughs> well, uh, well, that's what's been cool though, is the US hasn't been in this and there has still been this, this uh, sustained interest in it from our kids. But I would say the one event that um, kind of we all gather around the TV for, um, you're always gone, but the, the uh, March Madness, they're very into that. Sometimes they're attending the women's uh, tournament uh, our yeah, daughters they attended the women's final four this yeah. year, which is great. But both the men's and women's uh, March Madness and um, the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl, of the Super Bowl, they make signs, even though the television cameras can't pick up their signs. They didn't necessarily know that though when they were little. They go all in for one team, whether they have any connection to it or not. Now our son is a huge Giants fan. If the Giants are are in it, he'll be totally invested in that. Uh, he does not like the Patriots, so he's also invested in rooting against the Patriots. Um, but even if it's if it's you know um, uh, two teams in which he has they have no interest, they will pick a side and 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 they will. Uh, our son in particular will be miserable if that team that he didn't otherwise care about loses. One of the beauties of the World Cup is our kids are awake while the games are being played, because the Super Bowl, even some games in March Madness, for sure the Final Four. We record and they watch the end of the game the next day. I mean, you've you've told the story about um, our 11-year-old when when you showed her uh, the UConn Notre Dame semifinal uh, win by Notre Dame, and and she saw the end of it the next morning and and just said angrily, "Why did you make me watch that?" Because she was rooting for UConn. Um, 
But that's the beauty of the World Cup is the games are being played while the kids are awake and, and not having to wake up the following morning and watch them on the DVR. And it's the reason that they've gotten into the English Premier League also. Um, the kids love Arsenal. Um, we went up to the Emirates Stadium when we were in London and, and uh, they just loved being outside the stadium with nothing going on in the summer. But a big reason for that is because it's on at 7.30 in the morning on Saturday morning. And when you get up in the morning, you can watch it. You know, it's not happening at... 10 p.m. on a Tuesday night when you can't watch it. All right, moving on to another uh, viewer mail from John. He said, I just wanted on the record that I blame Steve Rush and Rebecca Lobo and the Ball and Chain podcast, you too, Denny Gallagher, Denny with one N, for my choice of dinner tonight. And he sent a picture of White Castle frozen cheeseburgers. And um, the last time I was at the grocery store, I had our two younger ones with me and we're going up and down the aisles. And, uh, and one of our kids stopped and said, oh, can we get those? Daddy lets us get those, and, and we like them a lot. And uh, they were pointing at the White Castle frozen cheeseburgers, and that's just when I said, you'll have to wait until you're shopping with Daddy again, because no, I will not buy That's those. when I buy the Little Debbies and the White Castles. What's uh, what's the, the Ball and Chain Twitter handle? At Ball and Chain Pod. So if John there at Nikon Nash on Twitter uh, is hearing this, please tweet us and let us know what you thought of those frozen White Castles. I'm guessing you love them. And you will be going back for more. Now, um, we got a another viewer mail from someone. They have a picture of them uh, of the view while they are at Key Arena. In front of them is the Seattle Storm, Los Angeles Sparks lineup card with the ball and chain magnet. It, so that's in the foreground. And then in the background, you see the, the Seattle Storm warming up. So they had brought their magnet to the Seattle Storm LA Sparks game. I can't believe I didn't get a chance to say hello to these people in person, but I would love for more people to send us pictures of where they've put their magnet. We've talked about, there was one person who put it on their motorcycle. Um, you put it on a um, phone booth in London. We figure since they're magnets and not stickers, you're not, you know, there's, vandalizing. Yeah, you're not vandalizing anything. So I want uh, people to send us more photos of where they are putting their stuff. This came from T Jump Dreams. So uh, that's the person. And then we talked last week. I, I mentioned or asked if I should start wearing a, a holster for my phone. I had actually meant to bring it on this trip and wear it um, wear it the whole way, but I'm just have to wait for my next flight. I will put my phone in a holster just to see how it's changed my life. So Roger says, I wear my phone holster proudly. When cell phones started growing again from something that easily fit in a pocket to today's monstrosities, I went to the holster and never looked back. So Roger, with no D, um, as he puts it, Roger wears his proudly and, and is not going to be shamed into taking it off. Good so, for you, Roger. Um, but yeah, you and I still need to do that experiment. I want to see what it's like to uh Well, I'm going to carry to my, my phone in, in my bum bag, my Sex Pistols bum bag. But, are you uh, going to wear it like a bandolier or are you going to wear it or uh, like around your waist? If that's the way Megan Rapino wears it, then that's where I'm going to wear it. So, um, but Sam Farmer, our friend Sam Farmer, Sam Farmer, the Sam Farmer, the, the Sam Farmer of the Los Angeles Times, and more importantly, more broadly, of Los Angeles. He's my uh, my connection to all things Los Angeles. This this may not have anything to do with Los Angeles. This may just be cutting edge technology that is that is finally ready uh, for the market. He sends me a and we can post this uh, a picture uh, from readers.com I guess products for readers these are cheaters for readers these are reading glasses but and here Sam says that I can ditch my monocle because these are reading glasses with one lens and that lens swivels pivots on the little nose piece 
from eye to eye. So you can. Is this for the person who can't afford two lenses in their glasses? I, d I don't know what this. I don't know what the purpose of this is. But I'm it trying swings to figure out. It's back called, and forth. It's called the Carry C A R R I E Makeup M A K E U P the Carry Makeup Reader. Um, we'll post this. It's it's amazing. I want I want a pair, but a pair. It's not a pair. It's it's one. It's the mono cheater. So what's the difference between it that and a monocle? A monocle you can also put from a monocle. You have to squeeze so with this, your eye. So this, this this is essentially a monocle with a frame. That's what it is. No, it's a monocle but, on a but, frame. But earpieces for both ears. Since people can't see this, we'll just we, post we it. And we won't glow on it. Yeah. But uh, it's it's uh, it's brilliant, and it reminds me of. Um, who was it who said, oh, you know, J.B. Smoove, the comedian J.B. Smoove has talked Hilarious. about this. Yeah. Hilarious guy on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Um, and he was a writer for Saturday Night Live. And I've heard, I heard him interviewed talking about this and saying that um, he kept getting this. He would pitch at Saturday Night Live uh, pitch meetings. He would always pitch the same sketch and it would always be rejected. And the sketch was a pirate with two eye patches. <laughs> How did they not make that? I don't know. That's funny. But um, I'll, I will say this. Sam Farmer's wife has to probably be thinking, what is she, you know, she walks by Sam as he's looking this up. What the hell are you doing? And why are you wasting time on this? And then when the explanation is something to do with Steve Russian and a monocle, this is where wives just shake their heads at their husbands. Because I'm sure his wife is like, okay, I'm glad you're spending time there are dishes that need to be done, laundry that needs to be washed, but you find your, what's it called again? It's called the Carry Makeup uh, Mono, I'm calling it a mono cheater. You, you find your mono cheater so that you can send it to Steve. I have a feeling if Sam's wife, there were ever to be a bobblehead of her, the head would swivel back and forth and <laughs> shaking its head in dismay rather than up and down. Well, that's, we need to jerry-rig my, uh, my bobblehead so that it does the same thing. We will, we will jerry-rig your bobblehead. <laughs> We will. And on that note, Tom, Dick, and Hari, play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pad live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and ambiguous While we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane